Welcome to They Think It's All Over, the only thing that's hotter than the weather. So thank you all for coming back and joining us. This week, we've got a brilliant feature with Matt Evans, author of the book USA 94, the World Cup that changed the game. We also have a quiz, Kit Room 101, and the usual news. But first of all, who's with us this week? We've got Mike, 30 shirts. got Tom at Shirt Fan. It's me, Adrian, at Football Shirt Alia, and... And uh, Flying Scotty. And sorry I'm late, boys. I had trouble logging in. Password wasn't working. Well... We're joined by an extra special guest this week, a friend of the pod and Swindon, well, one half of the Swindon Town Kitsman. We're joined by Steve Hooper. Hello, Steve. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Busy as always. Super busy at the moment, eh? Yeah, it's mad. Pre-season's crazy, isn't it? So, yeah, we're in, like, been back in for four weeks now. Got lads have been back sort of three weeks. We've been back four weeks and it's just been non-stop, to be honest. I'd like two days off in 22 or something. Have you been off to anywhere glamorous, Steve, for pre-season? Uh, no, not this year. Not this year. Previous years. But no, not this time. As glamorous as it's got is Swindon, Town and Marlborough at one stage. <laughs> you got to Woking. I mean, it doesn't get oh, better yeah. than that. Yeah, it was good, actually. It was a good evening. Always played well. Kip was looking unbelievable. So that's always a plus. The kit does look unbelievable. For anybody who's not seen the Swindon kit, I did mention it a few weeks ago. Um, two lovely throwbacks. What is pre-season like for a kit man? I mean, a whole load of new kit, load of new equipment. When do you see the kit? I've got so many questions. So how early do you get to see the kit before the public? We have a meeting in November each year about the next season's kit. <laughs> and that's when we'll see a few templates and bits and pieces. And then we'll probably, between a committee of four or five of us, make a decision on what we're going to do. I was pestering probably for about four months. And in the end, he just sent me a screenshot telling me to fuck off, basically. But on there, I saw it's a play- <laughs> I saw the players pestering him just as much to see the kit. And ex-players, I saw Charlie Austin was on there pestering you about the kit. I saw um, Huntley was on there. Yeah, it's not, it's not just fans that want to see the kits, is it? Oh, no, everybody. Everybody's all over it. Your friends, your family, the fans, the players, ex-players, people that have played for the club before. Like, everyone wants to see it, but you can't, obviously. What's the first thing you look out for on a new kit then, Steve? Do you, like, go straight to the cuffs or the collar or what? Um, it's usually player-based. So certain players like round necks, certain players like v-necks, certain players like an elasticated cuff, certain don't. Um, so you kind of... Over the year, you sort of figure out who's wanting what and what the general consensus is. And then that's kind of the first things that we look at. Obviously, pattern, colour, how it's going to look with a sponsor on, all that kind of stuff comes into it. But it's usually, from our point of view, what are the players going to want? What are they going to be most comfortable in? And that's kind of what we feed back before it goes to, obviously, marketing and retail and all the rest of those kinds of bits and pieces before a decision's made. In, when, when you've been there and you've seen kits for the first time, have you ever had that moment where you're shown the kit and you, in your head you go, what the fuck is that? But yes. you, you have to give a positive reaction. <laughs> you, you don't know. That's why we see it so early. Seeing it so early means that you can look at things and you can say, maybe change this, maybe change that. There's been a couple of times, even on the current kit, there was a couple of things that initially were different 
and we had changed, you know, so that it was more uh, appealing, if you like. How irritating are squad number changes? Because I can imagine if you've printed John Smith 7 for X amount of years and then they change number. Have you ever Have you ever just been... You know how everybody always says that thing about they don't remember driving to work because they do it so often. Have you ever printed a shirt and gone, shit, that's last season's number? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, 100%. Ellis Iandolo is a great example. He was number 14 from the minute I walked in the door and then he changed to number three and then before I knew it, I had done most of his training kit in 14. I was writing... I was writing 14 on like his on a bit of tape that goes on his towel for training in the mornings and all sorts of stuff. And he's coming in going, where's my kit? And obviously the wrong number was on it. So, yeah, but he's, he's a good example of that because he was 14 for so long. And, you know, you said you've been in a week longer than the players. I guess that's because you've just got to set everything up and label everything and get it all unpacked. Is, is that yeah. what it's all about? I mean, to be honest, it all comes in in boxes and... Then we open the kit room door on our first day back and it's full to the door with boxes of kit. So we've got to get through it, sort all the sizes for the right players, print the squad numbers on, print some sponsors on some stuff because sometimes that's done later than Puma can get it printed up. So it comes in without the sponsors on. So we have to do all of that kind of stuff. Look at what the sizes are like because sometimes that can change. Um, just make sure that we've you know gone through and done I don't know, 16 sets of medium kit and 16 sets of large kit, and you know, based on how many players we've got, obviously. Like this year, new footballs for the league. They've changed the font of the letters and numbers this season. So we've obviously had to dispose of all the old stuff and get all the new stuff. And yeah, it, it, there's a lot goes into that first week to prepare ready for when the lads come back because the worst thing you want is the boys coming back in and things not being ready. That must be the moment when you can see who's been really taking it easy in the pre-season, who's been going out for, for extra meals oh, and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> When they come back to you and they go, can I have a large? And you know they've been medium for two years. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about the prep this, this year, um, obviously we're now starting to see the backlash from like the pandemic and things that happened 12, 18 months ago that were halted that's now having a pinch at this end so we were a day before the lads were coming back in and we had no training tops so we had like jumpers we had shorts joggers all the rest of it but we had no like training t-shirts so we were on the phone with puma they couldn't get us get them to us in time because they couldn't find a courier to get them down to us so me and jonah the other kit man we got in a van drove to manchester picked up a load of t-shirts and drove all the way back and started printing (laughs) So there's a bit of a random, like we're the day before and we've suddenly got to drive sort of three and a half hours each way to pick up some t-shirts because nobody else can get into get them to us in time. Madness, madness. Well, that links nicely into news, Steve, because we've got a news story that links a little bit like that and um, some work that one of the kids had to do. But I can see somebody's waiting furiously. Scott got one more question. Come on, just Scott. One more, just one more question. So me and Tom did a really good interview with uh, Glenn Joyce from Reebok. And yeah. he, one of his stories was he told us that the the Villa Kitman at the time was a was a was a typical storesman where he just wouldn't release anything. So he'd be phoning up Glenn saying, "Oh, we need some more socks," and he had about a box of a thousand socks because he just didn't give anything. What kind of a kitman are you? If a player comes to you and need a new T-shirt, are you 
is are you protective or are you generous <laughs> i mean we keep a record of everything but my thought process is always we're going to have new kit every season so yeah. why keep it in the cupboard because at the end of the year we're not going to be able to use it anyway so we try and get it all used and we we phase it through the year to be honest through the season so that it's all used by the end of the season but you've always got a little bit of stock left you know just in case you need it for rips or new players in january that kind of thing but once january is out of the way then it really is just you know what can we use the kit for get it done because we know we're going to have to clear the room down there's going to be a whole new batch of kit coming for the following season right in that case let's move on to this week's news In this week's news, we've got a 120th anniversary shirt. We've all we got what might possibly be the first band shirts of the season. But starting at the beginning, Mike, you've got a, a story that links nicely into um, into Steve's world of being a kitsman. I certainly have, and I'm willing to bet this would never happen under Steve's watch. So, Salta Vigo this week flew out to, I believe it was Mexico, for a pre-season tour. And when they got there, they realised they'd lost a suitcase with all their kit in which obviously led to uh, a panic. And apparently they managed to pick up, um, because obviously they're manufactured by Adidas, uh, just some team wear locally. Um, So basically they managed to pick up pretty much what is an all-black kit with with some white trim down the side, white stripes, and get it printed up as their own. So Salta Vigo have inadvertently um, got a special pre-season kit. Incredible stuff. So what, they got badges did they sponsors the lot i mean uh, yeah Ev- everything everything was was f- fully done um yeah so i had the proper sponsor proper badge names numbers on the back everything was was done as if it was a kit so i, I think that if there's any salsa vigo shirt collectors out there there's one that will probably be a very very special part of a collection at some point do you think that'd be really tricky to do when you're over in mexico but maybe they can come oh Wait. terrible Absolutely terrible. But is that a shirt that we would say people are allowed to spec up themselves? Because it's probably Ooh. never going to be able to be bought, is it? I, I, I would say no, because for me, it's it's a shirt that's never going to be commercially available. The, 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 the What's going to make that shirt special for any collector that manages to get one is knowing that it was it was never even meant to be. It was an, It's basically... It's a far less valuable but modern day version of that Argentina shirt that, you know, that they, they had to sort out during the World Cup when they just went and got team wear and, and printed it up. It's obviously they're never going to sell for millions. But, you know, to, to, I think to uh, a Salta Vigo collector, which I'm sure there is out there somewhere, I think they'd probably hold that one in quite high, high regard, really. Steve, you ever seen anything like that? Teams turn up without kit or have to bastardise a kit? Um, not really. I can't think of anything I've seen. Only where we've had to wear the previous year's kit, you know, because the new one hasn't turned up or whatever. But no, nothing like that. What well, great story, though. Yeah, you're right. Really good story. And the sort of thing that we like to hear here on the news. And staying in the Americas for our second piece of news this week, Scott, what have you got for us? Yeah, so we're off to Paraguay for this one. Uh, Nike have released the Club Olympia 120th anniversary shirt. Uh, they are based in the uh, city of Asuncion, but it's actually a really, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of the club before. 
but they they're the record holding title winners in Paraguay. They've got forty five titles to their name. Um, they were founded in nineteen o two. So Nike have released a limited edition boxed shirt. Um, they've released one thousand nine hundred and two of them, and it's I mean it's a collector's dream to be honest because it's a limited shirt. The shirts are numbered, and I mean the box is absolutely beautiful. It's a it's a black and gold shirt. They always have a horizontal stripe across their just below the badges on their chest, and that's been nicely highlighted with a a, a really good bit of bold stitching. So even though it's an all black shirt, you can the, the the local fans will be happy that they still have that traditional element of the shirt. And on the box it says in Spanish, Olympia never stop writing history um, with a really nice graphic and a border around the box. So I think it's, yeah, it's going to go down really well. Zero information on how to get one because with them being that limited in, in, in Paraguay, I'm guessing it'll be a, a club shop, maybe, maybe online, but you'd think that the, I mean, it is gorgeous. So I think the fans will, will really snap up. Has anybody had a look at the pictures of the, I mean, the shirt itself is great too. It's a blackout, uh, sorry, a black shirt with a you know a nice collar, and it's got gold. It has the gold details on the shirt, and it says Olympia, where the sponsor should be. It's, yeah, it's I've, a... I've had a look. At first glance, you, you wouldn't be remiss for thinking it was an AIK shirt, would you? I mean, it's very yeah. similar to those mm-hmm. black gold details. It's only for the fact it's got Olympia sprawled across the front of it that immediately marks it out as different. I like yeah. the addition of what looks like. You know, like when you was at school and you used to have to make uh, for your history homework documents look old by put, dipping them in tea and stuff. It's got like one of those kind of style certificates with gold writing on the front that's included yeah. in the box. Quite like that addition, which I'm sure makes up some of the many pesos I'm sure it'll take to buy this shirt. I wonder if anybody will be brave enough to order one like uh, the Manta de Massa ones. Hopefully everybody's learned their lesson from that one. Um, I, I do I do like the kit, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't like it, but I do feel like it's it's another black and gold kit. And I know I was on here the other week preaching about how, you know, some shirts look the same and stuff, but it does feel to me like Nike's go-to is is black and gold at the moment. Um, but even that, that being said, like I say, it, it's a it's a really, really nice kit. And to be fair, probably better than a few of the, the other black and gold ones we've seen recently as well. Beautiful shirt, nonetheless. So let's wrap up this week's news. We've got what could be potentially in the next few weeks, one of the first band kits of the season, Tom. Yes, yeah, a bizarre one, this, because we don't normally comment on speculation and leaks and that kind of thing. But there's been a hell of a lot of leaks this week about... AC Milan's third shirt for the coming season. And the strange thing about it is it's green. And of course, that's strange because last year, Syria said that that season, the 21-22 season, was going to be the last season that a club could have a green shirt. Unless, of course, your Sassuolo and your home shirt is predominantly green. That gives you an exemption. And I think goalkeeper kits are exempt too. But that means that AC Milan have essentially got a third shirt or very looking likely to have a third shirt made by Puma for the coming season that will not be allowed to be worn on the pitch because it is green, which is really, really bizarre. Uh, does that, you think, feel like that's something that Puma might have thought about or AC Milan might have thought about when they were having the discussions about this kit? The only thing that I can think is maybe this will be a European shirt for them and it's a shirt that they'll wear in the Champions League, which of course they're qualified for next year. 
and it does have gold details around the badge and the Puma logo. So, you know, you, gold, European, maybe that kind of buys into one another. But yeah, it seems an odd, odd de- decision to make this kit green. Is it going to be a dull enough green? Because wasn't the issue was the grass color, right? So it have do you think they've gone dull enough that the authorities are going to be like, right, it's not a bright grass green color, so they, they might get away with it? Or is where's the speculation of the band coming from? Is it, is it... So, so that's a good question. So I actually went to uh, B&Q today and went to see my Duloc specialist in there. I showed him the color green of his AC Milan shirt, and it is on the official Dulux green scale. So I'm pretty sure that's what the FGC are going to be using when they um, when they adjudicate on these sorts of things. And I think, you know, the, the colour of it, I think it's officially described as as moss green, which, you know, depends on what time of the season they're going to be wearing this. So any time where it's a bit hot and the, the pitch is a bit dry, I think you are going to be getting a bit close to the bone with this colour, I think. I think if it bans Puma third shirt, then I'm all for that rule. I've done it a year too late, but, you know, there we go. To wrap up the news, so just like every single week, we're going to go through some of this week's biggest releases. Gentlemen, Steve, for your benefit, you've not joined us whilst we've been doing this. I want two or three words, not not sentences, two or three words on your feelings on the shirt. Gentlemen, order will go Mike, Tom, Scott, Steve. One more thing before we start. Great suggestion from a couple of listeners last week. All of these shirts are going to be listed underneath the in our Twitter thread underneath the episodes. So kicking us off first, we've got Gostepe's home shirt. Amazing Umbro trim. Yeah, all about the collar and cuffs. Looks like a maritime flag. Crazy colour combination. Nice. We've got Basil's home shirt. Macron smashing it. Yeah, it's a top class jacquard on that. Yep. Colour and fit will be great if it's Macron. Crystal Palace. Torino's home shirt. Meh, feels like we've seen it before. I think it's a bit scruffy, to be honest. I love their logo. I think the more they use that on the shirts, the better. Interesting sponsorship placement. Yeah. A nipple on a breast. Yeah. But uh, at least at least that kit gave Scott the horn. We have Belgium's most successful club, USG. Uh, smart, nothing spectacular though. Pajamas, pajama wear. Yeah, it's a bit plain. Way too Oxford United. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to be talking about this club's kits for a little bit longer, but next year away. Not, not for me. Barely even looks like a football shirt. More Primark than Prada for me. I'm just not a fan. I was going to go with Poundland sweatshirt. But... <laughs> yeah, I like it. You can come back. <laughs> Puma and Slavia Prague, home shirt. Just a bit bland. Sponsor adds to that, I think. Big badge. Very woking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we've got Steve here to alienate a whole new division of fans. <laughs> <laughs> Manchester United released their home kit back end of last week great collar expensive toilet roll yeah everything south of the collar is boring love the collar got some good news for Arsenal fans potentially in a few weeks about that collar as well Liverpool released their away shirt great from the front nightmare from the back it hurts my eyes terrible the two biggest problems are the plain back and the Liverpool badge I was going to say it hurts my eyes and the Liverpool badge (laughs) (laughs) it's a great summary you can have my job next week Uh, (laughs) and finally Kappa with Cannes home kit Uh, Barca take note 
Yeah, Barca Palace duo. Yeah, stripes within stripes. Very nice. Yeah, you're all saying the things I was going to say. Um, interesting sponsorship placement again. Inter Milan? Love it. No, the template doesn't always work. Oh, see, I would disagree. I think they've fit the funky collar template into that one really well. Why is it navy blue? Dundee United released uh, another throwback shirt to 1982-83 season. Yeah, old school tape in, lovely. Long sleeves, beautiful. As usual, I can't do this one in two words, but great, great badge. Love that they've gone back to the original badge. But I believe this is the first shirt that we've ever seen the Macron taping on the sleeves. I think this is the, the debut for Macron and it looks exceptional. I love the badge and the collar, actually. is very, very nice. And finally, Mike, just for you and Steve, just for you, because I want to hear what you're going to say. Cheltenham Town released their home kit. Best shit in the whole world. <laughs> I haven't taken my time to have a look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like every single other year, Steve. Does it? No, it, tropes, no, yeah? no, it doesn't. It, for anybody listening, ignore that bullshit. It's actually it's it's actually 25 years that we've we've been made by area. And it is a stunning all red kit with a really nice white pinstripe through it. Nice collar, really clean, really tidy. I know he's a kit man, but don't listen to him on this one. <laughs> Scott, tell me if you want to put the boot in. Yeah, I like it. it. I thought it was a Lincoln shirt at first. Fuck off. <laughs> right, that wraps I mean, up. Be- I'm just going to say, to be fair, it's just a red shirt with a few stripes on it. <laughs> oh, hang on. Hang on, I'm just looking at it now. Um, Swindon Town ripoff from last season. I, I just got, I got one last thing to say, and um, I'm taking inspiration from someone close to us. This podcast is fucking shit. <laughs> he's tried to wrap this up three times. They're just not letting him. He's, he's... That concludes the news and new releases this week. Let's move on to kit history. <laughs> Kid history, kid history, we haven't made it up. Kid history, kid history, we read it on Wikipedia. So because our feature is about a World Cup, I thought I'd go international this week for the first time. And I'm going to go to Germany. So everybody knows that Germany or West Germany uh, have always worn white and black. Uh, often you hear people ask why when their flag is red, black and gold. It's because the kit is actually based on the black and white flag of the Germanic state of Prussia, which was a white flag with black borders. But the more interesting thing is with the green away, which kind of I think everybody kind of sees as, as Germany's usual away away kit. There's, there's actually a couple of myths that I'm going to bust about that one. So some people claim that it is green in honour of Ireland, who remained neutral through World War Two. That is definitely a myth. And the other one, which is one that a lot of people actually believe, is that it's because they played Ireland in their first friendly after, after the war as well, which unfortunately is also false because their first friendly was actually against Switzerland. The reason for the green kit's actually a lot more boring than that, and it was simply the colours of the second biggest kingdom of ancient Germany, 
which apparently was Hanover and Saxony. Well, there we go. I, I mean, lots of jokes come to mind. Most of all, the war. So I'm going to keep them to myself. Anybody else got anything they want to say? No, I've had a case of the, the Basel 40s. I'm gonna, just not going to mention it. <laughs> and now on to this week's feature, which will hopefully fill the void of the fact that we don't have our uh, Summer World Cup this year. We are speaking to Matt Evans about his new book about USA 94. We are delighted to welcome onto the pod author Matt Evans today. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You okay? I think we're good. I think we're good. Apart from the hot weather killing us all, I think we're... Uh, we're pretty good, yeah. So, um, so for anybody who is listening, isn't aware, Matt has written a book. What I about what I believe is the greatest World Cup of all time, uh, USA ninety four. So, Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about the book and what we could expect to read in it? Yeah. So, uh, about two years ago now, I came up with the idea of um, writing a uh, overview of the nineteen ninety four World Cup. I was um, quite shocked to find that no one had actually done it before um, there was a lot of coverage at the time on Italia 90 it was like the 30 year anniversary of that World Cup um, being you know I was born in 1980 so the, the 90 World Cups were were um, you know real massive parts of, of growing up um, and for me USA 94 was the one so um, yeah I, I approached uh, ex-players uh, coaches journalists, executives, people who worked um, setting the tournament up, etc. Um, yeah, I got, got cracking with it. it. The lockdown, COVID lockdown uh, hit. That sort of um, worked in my favour, really, because there was plenty of people sort of sitting around with nothing to do who were more than happy to uh, to speak to me in regards to interviews for the book. So it all just sort of snowballed from there, really. Um, I'm just really pleased to have it out now and receive some good feedback. So was it, uh, it's interesting you say that about the, uh, was it your favourite World Cup or was it the fact that it hadn't been written about before and obviously there was, there was as much drama off the pitch as there was on the pitch that year? Well, I, I had slight memories of Mexico 86 and um, Italian 90, but for me, the USA 94, I was 13 and it was the it was the first World Cup that I really sort of, um, got truly invested in, you know, it was, like I said, the kits, the players, you know, there was plenty of talking points on and off the pitch. Um, and then completely amazed that no one had actually covered it in all its, uh, you know, an in, in-depth look at it. So um, it all just sort of, it was perfect storm, really. It was everything, everything that I've just mentioned sort of all rolled into one. You know, it was a, personal favourite of mine and the fact that you know there was a gap there that no one had actually covered it and I thought well it's almost as if it was meant to be. It's really interesting as well because we've we've actually discussed this at length because we've been doing a few World Cup specials because everybody's missing this summer that we don't have a World Cup and it's, it's amazing the nostalgia that sticks with it seems to and I've not found anybody that doesn't think like the three of us do the first World Cup you remember, it is unbeatable. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, that you know people have 86, my, minus France 98. 
and it's it, it really just sticks with you like that doesn't it and nobody can change your mind that is your favorite world cup yeah i think i think usa 94 in certain areas it it's it's underrated really because you know i think especially especially in the likes of the english football media because obviously england weren't in at the world cup um or scotland or wales um or northern ireland but I think to some people, especially after the Italian 90, it was, you know, Gaz's tears. It was the, you know, Ness and Dorma, the missed penalty and everything. It was sort of like, in a way, I thought it it was looked as a bit of a forgotten World Cup in certain quarters, uh, USA 94, especially in the UK press. So to, to actually, when I started researching and writing the book, to connect with people, speak to people online because I set a, a Twitter account up for the book and the amount of like-minded souls out there, people that message me saying, I remember this World Cup, this is my first World Cup, I remember staying up late for games, I remember watching games with my dad and you know, even people that messaged saying that they'd, they'd travelled to the US to watch games and, you know, they were they were late teens, early 20s and, you know, they, they went on you know, a trip across the USA watching games and stuff. It was really nice to speak to people that, you know, thought as much of the World Cup as I did, because I think, you know, especially around about the time I started writing the book, there's a lot of stuff online about Italian 90 and, you know, like I said, the nostalgia of it. So I think it was nice to sort of address the balance, really, with, with USA 94. Yeah, I think the, the good thing about USA 94, like you say, not only is it underrated, but I think as for me as, as a child born in the 80s, uh, growing up in the 90s, I think that football for me, was almost at its zenith at, at USA 94. I mean, some, some of the players that, that were there, um, you know, your, your Stoichkovs, your Hadjis, your, I mean, the, the list is endless. Valderrama, I mean, that's, without even mentioning any of the Germany players that obviously underperformed a little. Um, so, you know, it, I think for me, it was that perfect amalgamation of something new with US with just where football was at that time. Um, but speaking of names, I, I just want to give you the opportunity to name drop a little bit because I know that some pretty big names may come up in the book that, that you've put together. Yeah, like I said, it was <clears throat> my initial research during the COVID lockdown sort of hit sort of March time. And I, I was approaching people uh, for interviews, you know, just sending messages or managing to get hold of email addresses, etc. And you know, a lot of these, a lot of these people were just sort of, you know, sat at home, saying, you know, well, yeah, we can chat today, we can chat tomorrow. What, you know, when do you want to chat to me? Rather than you know them managing to like you know squeeze me in. So, yeah, I think when you when you get a first you know first few under your belt, you sort of um, you know it was it was one of the most enjoyable parts of the research. To be honest, the 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 thrill of the chase, if you like, of, of tracking tracking ex-players and coaches and, and, you know, these sort of people down, you know, get having a missed call on my phone off like Carlos Alberto Pereira was just like absolute, absolutely crazy. And I, mean, I, I I went to the, I think I went to the fridge to get a drink and I come back and I picked my phone up and it was like missed call. And I seen it and then I was just like sat there with like, a, you know, this is bizarre. Walk on my face. My wife's like, what sort of rang you? I was like, just the, Brazil coach from 1994. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, he was unfortunately he uh, said it was a COVID lockdown, so he just sort of moved out of Rio, so he he, uh, he was unavailable to chat. But yeah, that was it was quite a surreal sort. Of, there was a few surreal moments like that, really. Another really enjoyable part of it, you know, was to go back and watch 
some of the old footage. I mean, you know, obviously watching it first time around, but to 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 go back and you know just to just to, it dawns on you sort of like you know the massive stadiums, the you know the the how sort of vivid the colours were, even you know in the pre like HD days, you know um, watching games on TV and like I said, some of the the, the players that were on on display, you know, it was some of the some of the greatest names to you know to, to grace the modern era of the game. You know, there was some some of the countries that were there. It was like there some of their like golden generations, like to Colombia, Romania, Bulgaria, Sweden. These are some of the some of the greatest sides that these countries have ever produced. You know, and so like I said the collection of like the number tens on offer. That I, I don't think I don't think that's been matched since. Um, and I think. Looking, it's only when you look back, you know. Like people say about oh, Ronaldo, Messi, etc. Now you, 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 you may not fully appreciate what you had until you look back in say twenty years, you know, twenty years time. I think now, you know, you look back and think of the likes of Baggio, Stoichkov, um, you know, Romario, Hadji, players like that. You know, it's, I think it's only when you look back, and especially say with like YouTube, people put these like little highlight packages together. You know, you, you just sort of realise what just how good these players actually were. Yeah, I think that, I think like we touched on already, for me, I agree with you. I think it's, it's the players and the, the generation that, that, that football had at that time. I think some of the, some of the best players that the game's ever seen were in their absolute pomp at that time. And you just, you just can't get past it. And one of, one of them in particular, I'd like to, to talk about actually, you know, just talking about highlights from, from USA 94. And one of them for me is obviously the run of Bulgaria um, and Stoichkov, you know, just what what can you say a, a man that was once banned for life from football almost you know didn't get to compete again and by the time 94 comes around is is possibly you know the the, the best arguably the best player in the world and and what he did at that world cup w- w- was amazing do you have a lot of do you have memories from the time of that and how how you know how big his achievements were at the time yeah I mean, like bulgaria had an Absolute awful World Cup record up to that point. You know, they'd not even won a, won a game in a World Cup. So to go as far as they did, you know, it surprised everyone really. I mean, I, I remember watching the, um, the the Germany game and, you know, the Lechkoff header. You know, I, I remember my dad in absolute like, amazement at, at Bulgaria's, you know, performance. That, that really sort of stuck with me. Um, like I said, like Stoichkov, obviously, when um, like the, the trouble he had back in Bulgaria, you know, players. Players stayed in Bulgaria. They weren't able to, you know, to move around, and it was only, you know, the fall of communism, etc., in Eastern Europe, where players started actually moving around. And obviously, that was to the betterment of their careers, and obviously, it benefited the national team as well. And I think, you know, Bulgaria, Romania, the two, you know, Eastern European sides really benefited from that. You know, the the, the freedom that these players enjoyed in. Um, you know, being able to leave their country and learn a different style of play, a different culture, and it really sort of pushed them on um, as players. And I think that, like I said, that they were probably, well, I'd say not probably, they are the greatest sides that, that the uh, those nations have have produced. You know, in Bulgaria, they <laughs> could have could have very easily been, you know, Bulgaria Sweden final. So being that being that this is the 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 first book that's been written about USA '94, is there is there a section of the book for you that's a personal favourite that you know as you were writing it you were like this could potentially be 
the first time that somebody's not been able to watch USA 94 will be will be reading a part of this story? Well, I think when I was researching, I, I, I made a conscious decision not to just do a, you know, a day by day, you know, blow by blow account of, of, the, of the book. I, I didn't, I didn't sort of want to approach it in that way. I, I wanted to write a book that, that I'd enjoy reading. And I thought just doing a day by day account, you know, on, on this day, this game happened. I thought that, that wasn't sort of the route I wanted to go down. And I wanted to look at the, the impact of the World Cup, not just the actual games, but, you know, the background to it, how the USA came to, to host it. And I, I found the, one of the early, the early couple of chapters where the USA, you know, where they, where they won the bids and, and actually putting the World Cup on, you know, I found those really, they were really sort of eye-opening to me, the, the, the things that they had to go through just to get the tournament on in the first place. You know, they, they came very close to having the tournament taken off them at one point. You know, Germany were, were on were on standby. You know, they were ready to, to step in. And you think, you know, that would have the effect that would have had on world world football and you know football in the USA. You know, if they if they have had the World Cup taken off them. So, um, you know, things like that, and also the the, the chapter about the um, the indoor game. I spoke to the guy from Michigan State University who devised growing grass indoors. Uh, you know, I, I spoke to him and he. He was absolutely made up. He was like, "I've waited 25 years to tell this story," you know. <laughs> and um, I, uh, I had a couple of friends who would, who I'd send, you know, chapters to to just have a little read through and stuff. And uh, one of them was like, "You wrote, you wrote a chapter about grass." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And he was like, Are "You really? Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah." And on, I think it's really interesting, you know. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really good to, to you know to speak to people like that who. You know, sort of like the, the the unsung people, if you like, of the tournament, whose you know hard work and efforts and expertise went into, you know, putting putting the games on that. You know, maybe like he said to me, I've waited twenty five years to tell this story. You know, he all the all the work he put into, you know, to to add to the, you know, making this tournament a success. I found that really uh, really good. Well, I'm really interested to I'm really interested to read it because especially after you. You saying that because the my favorite football books I've ever read is the stuff that you don't see on TV. You know, like you, it's the it's the background, the things that aren't advertised and publicized. So you're you know you're reading this book and it's the first time you're hearing it, and it's I think it's going to be it, the reviews are great, and I'm really interested to read it. Before we go on to talking about what the majority of our listeners are, are here for is to talk about kits, I'm going to just throw uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'll throw a few little quiz questions at you, if that's all right. Yeah. I've, I've only got four, and they're not too right. difficult. So so my first one, top scorers for the tournament? Uh, Stoichkov and Solenko. Yeah, I think Stoich. everyone seems to forget about Solenko, didn't they? And his, yeah. his amazing... Was it I thought, was it a four-goal four haul? Yeah, he got five in the game against, uh, against Cameroon, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so that leads me on to my next question. This might have to be a, a how close can you get, unless you know. How many goals were scored in the whole tournament? Um, I'm going to say one. 31. It was 1-4-1. And I was surprised when I read that as well, because everybody yeah. talks about the tournament like there wasn't a lot of goals or something, but there was. There was an awful lot. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 So next question, a little bit trickier now. I'm not going to ask you to name them, but do you know how many host cities there were? 
<laughs> now, the, the, sorry. Twelve. It was nine, and again, I was really surprised because I think when you think of a World Cup, you do you think of twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen different places, and and when I look through it, just nine nine stadiums and to to use for a whole tournament seems like a really really low number. But, yeah, I think I think the players would have probably liked it a few more because there, there was sort of that much travel involved, you know, especially you know going coast to coast and with with how how hot, or, you know, if going from like you know Orlando had games and you know Dallas had games and then out to the uh, to the west coast, you know, it was uh, it was I think that the players would have probably appreciated a few more uh, a few more venues. Yeah, and then last question, obviously. We know that the third place playoff was Sweden versus Bulgaria. First question is, do you, what was the score? Yeah, four-one Sweden. And bonus points for any goal scorers. Um, Henry Larson. Yep. Froling. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being involved. Go on. You have to put me out in injury. So the the one of them, I honestly, even as someone who loves USNF, I've never heard of a player called Mild. Apparently. Oh, Hack and Mild, yeah. It's not someone I recall. Um, and the other one was Kenneth Anderson. Right. Oh, Kenneth, yeah. With his uh, yeah. celebration, yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I don't think you did too badly there because a couple of those were, were tricky ones. They were kind of like get as close as you can, really, weren't they? Yeah. I knew um, the first one, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> going, back, going back to the goals, like, you know, especially after Italian 90, there was... It was, you know, a conscious decision from FIFA to, you know, they wanted more attacking football, they wanted more goals, you know, that was the way they wanted football to go, you know, so it was, they, they made changes to the offside rule and brought three points in for a win to try and encourage more attacking play. And, you know, I think it, it worked it worked well, especially like we already spoke about the, you know, the players that were there, you know, it was good to, um, you know, we, we, wanted to, we wanted to see them at their best. Yeah, I, I I think when with the quick comparison you gave to to Italian ninety there as I think one of the things you touched on earlier as well about it being such a colourful tournament, and I think that if you look back on sort of like even just TV like footage and and sort of like sometimes you can see these highlight shows you know almost documentaries about the whole tournament, moving from Italian ninety to USA ninety four. It just felt so bright, so vibrant, so colourful. Everything was just in your face, which leads me on to you know what our podcast about, which is the kits. And some of the kits on show, us in the shirt community, we adore them. They're just simply some of the, the best kits of all time. You know, is is it some you as, as the author of the book that looked into it? Is it something that you made note of, or you know, have you got favourites yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I had the um, the famous denim. USA denim shirt with the with the stars. I actually I had that when I was like I've got I've got a picture. I'll I'll, I'll put it on the on the on your uh, I'll send it on Twitter later. Me wearing it like you know thirteen years of age. And I think again it's only when you when you look back at the you know the collection of shirts on offer. It was I don't think it's been it has been bettered. I mean I know you said you covered it in a podcast. I, I listened to that um, the other night and you know come on. There's no comp- no competition really. <laughs> I, I I agree completely. I think that for, for me, like you touched on the USA '94 shirt, I believe Scott's got that home one as as well. Um, I, I've got one as well. It's one of the most like that that, that it instantly conjures up images of Alexi Lalas, 
you know, uh, Balber, just some of the, the amazing players. And and for me, what my favourite shirt of the whole tournament was the the Norway home of that that famous Adidas template. Um, and I've got, you know, that one was, I waited 30, about 30 years to get that kit because I never got one as a kid. So, but, um, but yeah, as I say, just so many of the kits have become so sought after in, in, in the world of football shirts. They're not Adidas at the moment, but I'm praying that for the 2026 World Cup that they could whether it's nice, whether they could produce a bit of a throwback to, to the 94 shirts for, for the USA as, as co-hosts. I'd absolutely love it if they could uh, they could conjure something up, you know, that was that paid homage to to the uh, to the Stars and Stripes efforts. Um and I think like said, that's on it was just, you know, the, the the classic the classic kit makes, you know, Umbro. Uh, Adidas, there was some like the obscure ones, you know, there was like uh, there was Lotto, wasn't there? There was, um, yeah, the Moroccan one was exceptional, yeah, yeah, you know, but it's only when people put seen something on, on Twitter a while back and it was like, which is your favorite shirt, you know, and you look at them and it's only when you see them all together, you think, you know, what a collection. I think I, I think I commented on it, so like I've, I've narrowed it down to 32, <laughs> you know, there's some absolutely like unreal efforts, even like, like the Germany shirt. I mean, obviously. After the, the the shirt they had, the Italian nineties, like you know, really I- iconic. Um, and I think that the, the Germany shirt, if it wasn't, it's almost as if when a band releases an album after their classic album, you know, you maybe don't appreciate it at the time because you know you're looking at what they've just what was released before it. But I think only when you, you look back now and you think, you know, that was to me that was on a par, you know, with the Italian ninety effort. Even things like you know the island shirts, the island away shirt, you know John Aldridge going going yeah. nuts, um, and you know there's some absolute like you know I- iconic shirts there, and even even like funny things when you look at like Saudi Arabia, like they those shirts, like the sleeves are absolutely massive, you know they were actually <laughs> past yeah. past their elbows, you know it was it was you know I spoke to someone who said you know I think that those shirts you couldn't even buy them, they were just like player issue and. You know, for for people that collect these shirts, you know that's probably that probably on the holy grail for some people. And then obviously, like George Campos, you know, you know, designing his own his own shirts. You know, they were, uh, you know, again iconic. There's just so many iconic. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got. You know, Scott's got one of those. Oh, right, okay. I got one signed <laughs> by him as well. Oh, amazing! <laughs> Absolutely amazing. You know, just like just so many iconic shirts from you know to, to come from one tournament, you know, and I think with with how shirts are now, where you know the, the, there's that many of them and they release that often now, you can sort of lose track of them. Whereas, like I said, back back then they weren't, you know, we were still in the era where they weren't as frequently released. And like I said, I think you know they. For, for all the kit designers to all at the same time say, you know, we're going to produce our, you know, our best efforts and some are just going to go absolutely, you know, wild with their ideas. It was, uh, yeah, like, you know, I just thought then like the Nigeria kits were like, you know, amazing. There was, yeah, iconic, I think, the, the one word to describe, you know, nearly all the kits. I don't think you can find a bad a bad shirt. I know the USA, the, the denim one sort of split opinion, but at the time, you know, reading, during my research, some of the people were saying, like, they have you seen the USA shirts? But, you know, I think, again, looking back, it was like, yeah. Well, I'd love to see him, like I said, I'd love to see him do something similar for their, for their World Cup in 2026. Yeah, I think a throwback, you're right, a throwback to the denim one would, would be amazing. Um, 
So in the book, are you is that do you do you have a specific section that you speak about the shirts or are they just kind of spoken about throughout the book? Yeah, it's just sort of throughout the book, really. It did, it did cross my mind to, to do a um, a chapter on the kits, but I know, like I said, I could have I could have been there. I could have probably still been there now, you know, uh, writing, you know, uh, adding stuff to it. So I thought, well, just touch on the kits throughout the book. I think was the the approach I sort of took, really. Well. I have ordered my copy of the book because I got mine through Amazon yesterday. Um, so I really, really look forward to reading it. Um, so just before we wrap up, do you want to just tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter? Yeah, so my personal account is at the underscore Mevs, M-E-V-S. And I've also got an account for the book, which is at USA94book. And for anybody listening who doesn't follow, the, especially if you don't mind me saying the USA 94 book account, I followed it for a little while myself. And if nothing else, just for the amazing images, photos, information that you share about USA 94, I think it is well worth a follow. And for those, uh, yeah, for those that want to buy it, it's available at pitchpublishing.co.uk amongst uh, many other big retailers. So if you, you can either go there or a quick Google and you'll easily find it. And also for our listeners out there, Matt has kindly agreed to do a giveaway of one of his copies. So keep an eye on our socials for how to enter uh, to be in with a chance to win a copy of the book. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. So as someone that doesn't remember world cup 94 i really enjoyed that i think it was it was really entertaining and i'm I'm definitely going to go and look to buy that book matt because yeah i need to know more about what all these old fogies are talking about yeah as somebody who loves usa 94 as everybody who listens to this podcast would know find it really hard to keep that that feature down to be honest i probably could have sat and just spoken about it for hours so we say in best world cup best kits 100 percent. doesn't beat france 98 for me but You'll you'll um you'll have got that from listening to the feature. We touched on how you can't change people's minds about their first World Cup. I think I think to be in with a shout now, you've got to find somebody who's written a book about France '98 and get them on the pod. And to add to the feature, we actually have kindly been given a signed copy of the book to give away. So keep an eye on the socials for the uh, details to be in a, within a chance to win a signed copy of the. First ever book written about the World Cup of USA 94. What an amazing giveaway and chance to get some proper, proper football shirt match literature, which I know that there's a definite market for because there's not much good written football content out there. I give up. An absolute disgrace. I am flabbergasted. Analyzer to the coach come home. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Really good pod so far, everybody. As usual, we're going to wrap up with Shirt Room 101, but we've got a nomination from within this week. So I'll hand over to Mike. Yeah, so I, I, I've i got one for everybody that I think, you know, I think Steve might might have a bit of input on this one. My What I would like to put into Room 101 is unwashed, match-worn shirts. Now, I have no problem with match one collecting, I think it's it's great. You know, some of those shirts, some of the collections are amazing. But why in God's name 
would you not want to wash it? They must stink to high heaven. It, I, I collect football shirts and my wife, she's more than happy to let me do it. She's an enabler. She finds me shirts, whatever. If I started collecting worn shirts that smelled of sweaty men, they would be out the door quicker than you could blink. So I would like to put in unwashed match-worn shirts. Could be worse, Mike. Could be Lineker shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only one place to start on this. Steve, A, as a kitsman, you know how much these are going to stink, but B, you collect match-worn shirts. So where do you stand on this? Um, I'm going to say when Kevin De Bruyne came to us with his shirt and then signed it in front of me, I didn't go, oh, can you wait to sign it until I've washed it, please? It went on the wall. So, uh, you know, we've got quite a few up there that I don't think have been washed, if I'm honest. And why would you? The, the player's taken it off at the end of the game. He's given you the shirt. He signed it for you. If you wash it and that signature comes off. I, I'm on Steve's team. I, I disagree, Mike. I think if, you, if you're going to get a match-worn shirt... And again, like we've spoken before about how you can prove that it's match worn and, and in what, which match and that. And, you know, a lot of people do like the photo matching and that can involve stains or like blood stains or whatever, you know, those kind of things. I, I want all the guts and the glory with it. I want Terry Butcher's blood all down my England shirt. I want all of the, the skid marks from the sliding tackles. I want, mm-hmm. I want it all there. I want to see it all. I'm Good never going to I, I don't think you should wash them. I don't think so. I think this is part of it, you know. Part of the, the the thrill of owning it. Tell you what, Mike, if I ever get a match-worn David Beckham shirt, I don't want it smelling of personal. I want it smelling of 100% pure <laughs> Becks. <laughs> You've had to make it perverted. Yeah, I was going to say, another window into your obsession that none of us wanted to see. So. I'm pretty ambivalent on this. Uh, I take I take mine as they come, so... I would not collect one because it hadn't been washed, and I wouldn't take them with. Come was that idea? <laughs> so Scott's going to be say that's what she said. <laughs> I've definitely I, lost my trailer for now. I don't. I don't. I just don't think you can wash them. I don't. Uh, I don't I, see I, it. I, I will. I will say that I. I can accept that it. Like in that case, if a player signs it and hands it to you, uh, yeah, uh, I. I get why you would personally. I. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm. I don't know. I'm a. I'm a bit of a clean freak. The idea of having a dirty. I mean, I've. I've left my kit in my football bag for a couple of days before. Jesus fucking Christ! When you open it up, it smells like something died in there. I don't want that living in my wardrobe. If you wash it though, isn't it? You might as well just gone and bought one out the shop, haven't you? Well, no, because it's it's still match worn. That is still the same shirt, just with less stink. You'd, you'd be able to prove that less at an auction, though. Well, I would say Maradona's was was probably washed once or twice, and his went for like seven million or something. So that was for legal reasons, Mike. They had to dispose the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. I think you might be finding a losing battle here, but uh, Steve, you're firmly on it. It's not going in the room, yeah. No, it's not going in. Scott, just in case you ever get that back up one. No, can't go in. Tom. No, sorry, Mike. Sorry. Uh, I agree with you guys, Mike. I'm sorry. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you should never have brought up that Cheltenham shirt. 
Okay, guys, before we go, then uh, this week's quiz. So what I've done is I've, ad- I've adapted uh, Mike's idea from his quiz, but I've made it specific to everybody on the pod, and uh, I'll explain how Steve can jump in. So we're going to go over the same format where you have everybody will say one answer, and when you get one wrong, you're out. But what we've done is I've got a list of the sponsorship from every title winning team from 92 93 but mike you've been allocated the bundesliga ad you've been allocated syria and tom you've been allocated the premiership which are apparently your three collecting special uh, specialities and then what we'll do is we'll run through you three and then steve you get to pick anyone from any three leagues <laughs> variations count by the way do you want to know how many so you know what you're Tom, you've got 18 in the Premiership. AD, you've got 16 in Syria. And Mike, don't let us down. There's 14 in the Bundesliga, but about 13 of them are Bayern. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've won that many, but you've changed your sponsorship that many times. That's as well. not fair. He's definitely going to win this. So who wants to go? Well, I've got it. Tom, AD, Mike. And then Steve can jump in. So, Steve, you can literally pick any sponsor from any winning team from those three leagues. Right, Tom? All right. I will go for Sharp. Sharp. Six times Sharp appeared. See, I don't know whether to start at the beginning. Or just go obvious ones first. I'll go Sony first. So, so Sony, how many times do you think it appeared? With variations of uh, three times. No, but you have to say the variations, though. Oh, yeah, Sony so mini disc. Sony, so well, Sony was once. Okay. The ninety-six, ninety-seven away was its only appearance. Mike. So, uh, so I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna try and start with the Bayerns and list them all first. So I'll get the obvious one with Opal out of the way first. Yes. So Opal was five times. Steve. McEwen's Lager. Blackburn 94, 95. So he's nicked one of yours, Tom. So that's you up again. Um, I don't think I would have got that one. So I'm happy <laughs> uh, I will go for Etihad. Etihad, yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, that has appeared six times. I'll go for I'll have Opal as well. Yep. Yeah, Opal twice with AC, obviously, 96 and 99. Mike? T Mobile. T-Mobile. You want to take a stab in the dark at how many times that appeared? As T-Mobile 3? Once. Oh. O two O three. Only appearance. Steve, free reign again. Pirelli. <laughs> yeah, six <laughs> times. Interesting fact about Pirelli. They, one of the seasons they won it, it was given to them, obviously, because of the the uh, Juve having it taken off them. So they won it five times and were given it once. Back to you, Tom. I will go for Standard Chartered. Yes. Again, unfortunately, their only Premiership winning title. AD? Jeep. Yeah, Jeep. Eight times Jeep. Mike? Uh, T-Home. T-Home, yep, twice. 08 and 10. Steve? JVC. Yep, Arsenal, 97-98. Back to you, Tom. Uh, Samsung Mobile. Samsung Mobile. How many times? Twice. 
Just the once, mate. Oh. Eddie. Emirates. Fly, or whatever it is, fly. It is Emirates, isn't it? Emirates fly, something like that. Don't have to be more specific, mate. There, there's there's a couple of variations, and none of them oh, are so, Emirates. Oh, there's Fly Emirates in the. Okay, that's like, fine. Fly okay. Emirates, yeah. Mike, uh, the I think what would be the last fireman, which is just the T. Yeah, <laughs> how many times? Twelve. <laughs> ten and ten in a row. It was all the T. Oh, I wondered if they had it before that. Okay, yeah. No, ten in a row. <laughs> and Steve, free reign. Motta. Yeah, that's a risk. Is it there? Eighties gone. Yeah, night the first. So that was ninety three and ninety two, ninety three, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, back to you, Tom. I am gonna go for uh, Yokohama tires. Yeah, good. Eighty. I'm playing trump cards. I'm running out of options here. In this, is going, this is going really well. Is it okay? In Italia. Yeah, obviously, I was hoping you'd get that one, Mike. Um, you so far have just got Bayern. That's how one sided your league is. I'm going to say uh, <laughs> Dortmund uh, de Continental. Yes, twice the glory days. And Steve, free reign. King Power. Yep, Leicester City. That's a great shout. <laughs> Back to you, Tom. So, Tom, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten still available. Ten, that's insane. Uh, Think about teams you don't support that were very good oh, at football. Surely in the Premiership years, <laughs> there's been too many Scott. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, surely O2 is one of them. O2, yes, the Invincibles. Eighty. Yeah. You have to say them. You know you hate them, but they did win it. Serie Yeah. Mike. Um, Mike. Crunch. Have you, have you get <laughs> crunch chips? I was gonna say that. Who was it? Uh, crunch chips, uh, Kaiser Slauten. Give me the year and then it's game over. Uh, 96, 97. 97, 98, very close. <sighs> Steve? I'm going to risk one. I'm going to go with Dreamcast. <gasps> yes, mate. Dreamcast, <sighs> once. 0102, well done. Tom, back to you. You still have eight, by the way. AIG. Well done. Three times. Because Fergie was a legend. AD. Emirates, again, fly better. Yeah, good. AC this year. Yeah, so that was it. You, you had fly Emirates, who were AC. And then this year, yeah, it changed to Emirates fly better. I don't think a team's ever just been Emirates, have they? It's always had a... a I would caveat. always just say Emirates, though. Wouldn't, wouldn't anybody else yeah, just that, say Emirates? But didn't we, just, didn't we put that in Room 101 one week? That the, who, Nobody cares about the slogan. Just put the... The company name, but there we go. Uh, Mike? I am starting to struggle a little bit now. Um, I think this is a... Oh, God. Um, i got two in my head. I think they're both a bit risky. I'm going to go with... I think I could be out here. Dortmund again, under the Klopp era, with Ivonic. Yep, that was their two titles with Klopp, was Ivonic. Well done. Steve, free range. Uh, I'm going to risk another one. Samsung. Samsung, yep, twice. Chelsea, but but very um different. They were quite a few years apart, but they were both Samsung. Tom, now still is... got one, two, three, four, five, six available. This is going to kill me if this is wrong, but I'm sure this is right. Fly Emirates. Yes, correct. Something between two for you, though. 
I'm not sure I won it in one of them. You 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 guys are starting to get to the to the tricky one. Tom Fly Emirates was Chelsea, man. Now, what were you nervous about that for? <laughs> I just couldn't remember because first time you'd won the first time you'd won the league in about a hundred years. <laughs> Shut up, Scott. <laughs> I'm gonna go Juve with uh fast web. Yeah, twice. Good. Lovely lotto shirts. Mike, Mike, you're mate, you're hurting. You've by the way, I'm not this isn't a clue, but you've missed the Bayern. There's one Bayern left. But it's a belter if you get it, by the way. So you Mike, you still have one, two, three, four, five, six available. Uh I've 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 got a couple in, in, in my head. Uh and I I feel like they're they're gambles. So because I know uh Wolfsburg won it. I'll try to remember if they Leverkusen did. Um if you get 92, 93, then I'll be absolutely amazed. <laughs> it was so obscure, I couldn't even, I could barely find the shirts on that year. I'm going to go with a bit of a gamble. I think this could be it. Because um, Wolfsburg won it. So were they VW at that point? No, they were Polo. Yes. Bollocks. Yeah. Right, I'm not going to, I'll round it up at the end, but because Steve can still take any league, then we'll leave Germany open. So, what are you going for, Steve? It's tough. Aeon. Yep, Man United twice, good. I think I've got one more, and it's Vodafone. Yep, Man United twice, good. So, Tom's winning right now, AD. You have to get a correct answer now, otherwise Tom wins. If Steve, and same with Steve. Sony Minidisc? Yes, Sony Mini Disc. That was the that was for their two. So Sony appeared on the away and the third of ninety six ninety seven. But all the other so the other kits were the home was Mini Disc, and then the next season was the lovely pink, the uh, pink shirt and the blue away. They changed from Sony to Sony Mini Disc. So good, still in. Steve, I'm going to risk one. Juve Sky. No, no, they did, but that's the one that they got taken away from them, and they didn't award to anybody. So what it's not a title-winning shirt. Oh, oh yeah, that's harsh. That's harsh. It, it was Sky Sports, but I've, but I've written it down because you are actually correct, <laughs> and because they didn't award it to anybody else, it technically was the sponsor that won the shirt. I'm glad you got that, because if you didn't, I was going to ask anybody if they could pick up on that, but well done. So back to you, Tom. You've got one, two, three. Ooh, three available. Sharp view cam? Yes. Four times that appeared. Four seasons. So I can have cheap 4XC? Well, you could have if they won the title, weren't it? But yeah, I w- I w- if I was you, I wouldn't guess that. No, I was just, just, just thinking <laughs> loud, uh, just in terms of variations. <laughs> But yeah, I am pretty done. Um, I don't think it won it in Tam Oil, but you've only got one, two, three, four available. Honestly, Tam Oil's all I've got, and I think that's when they were they they were down in the lower leagues. But Uh, no, Tam Oil was a European sponsor, not a league sponsor. It was the same year as the Fast Web stuff. Right, that's it. God, Tom's going to win this. He was he thought he was struggling. Steve, 
You got you got to be in we, it to win it now. And we we can go away kits as well. Yep. Right. Any sponsor that was worn during the title winning season. I want to say Sharp Digital. Legend. 99 2000 Man United away. Dark blue thing. Yeah. Yeah. The horrible sports wool. Yeah. So Tom, Steve has kindly left you with only one available <laughs> answer. And then you've got then between the two of you, you've got the whole premiership. Uh I'm really struggling though. Is it is it is it pre two thousand? Bastards. It's one of those ones that if I give any clue, then it would give it away. So you're um we've said Dreamcast, haven't we? It's got me uh I I generally don't have a clue. Um I actually don't know. I don't, can't even make up a guess. Like I can't think. You, um, well, I'll give it to Steve because if Steve can't yeah, get it, then Steve, it's yeah. essentially a, a sudden death. I'll start giving clues. Right. I don't know if he's already said it, but Sega. Boom. <sighs> Same year as the as oh, the Dreamcast. Dreamcast. That was the away shirt. Yeah, Sega, 0102. That was good fun. What what, what we missed? Come on, because that, really, that was really good. You've you've completed the premiership. So you've got every single premiership sponsor. To be fair, I would never have got some of those that Steve got. Would never yeah. have got them. Yeah, he did really well. That sharp digital man, that's you've pulled that one out of the bag. It's an age. Scott, <laughs> with, 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 the, with the Bundesliga, I know that the, the other Bayern one was T. Was it got to be TCOM? Because you said there was another Bayern one that I didn't, didn't yeah, get. T, yeah, TCOM. TCOM twice. I think I, I would have I, I guessed, or I think it's wrong at RWE because I don't think Bayer Leverkusen won. But the, the, one didn't. of them was the Werder Bremen one, D, DBV. No, the Bremen okay. one was Young Spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, so Bundesliga, you missed, yeah, TCOM, which was uh, 2000, so four, five, five, six. Oh, oh, three, oh, four was Bremen with Young Spirit. And then, so in 1992, 93, um, Werder Bremen won it. And it was, oh, no, that's what you said, wasn't it? DBV version Schlungenbungen. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got. I've got Yeah, a, so you're right. That was that that was that first one. Sorry, the second. So they won it again in 0809. And it was um it uh sorry, uh, 0304 and it was Young Spirit. But yes, you're you're quite right. The first one was the DBV. Then Dortmund, anybody? They won it once. 2001, 2002 Kappa shirts. On something. Eon. And then the only other one Stuttgart 2006, 2007. I'm not even sure what this company is. It's an acronym. E-N-B-W. That would have been quite a good one. A specialty one to get. Yeah, so that was so you did pretty well. You only you, you yeah, you were only those four away from the Bundesliga. And then Syria, you got most of the main ones. Juve in 94-95. Pretty sure it's a yogurt. Danone. Yeah. And then now this is a bit cheeky because the the badge, the logo is the same, but the name is different. For AC Milan, 0304, think think Pete Kaka, long oh, sleeve. Uh, was it Mariva or something like that? Yeah, Mariva. Oh. And then, so, you, you know, you did really well there, especially with Steve getting the bat, you know, the one that the title was removed. The other one was Juve in 2011, 2012. Really random sponsor, not a great shirt either that year. So on the home, 
It was Bet Click. Uh, does anybody remember the away? It was a pink away with like a weird black triangle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The star on it, the, the yeah. red star. Baroco, um, was it? Yeah, yeah. Baloco. Baroco. Baloco. Baloco. Yeah, I'm not sure. It was in like it looked like a. It was in like a pink pill with mm. Baloco in it. But yeah, pretty good there. You only what was that? You only missed three Syrias, Eddie, and Mike. Then yeah, you only missed. The TCOM and then three very obscure. Um, the, 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 do you know, the, the frustrating part about that is I have the Stuttgart shirt from the year they won the Bundesliga. <laughs> I have a Werder Bremen shirt with the DBV sponsor on, but I couldn't think of it until after we fucking stopped. So yeah, but <laughs> so there we go. But yeah, you can imagine how long it took me to get all of all of those Just... teams together to make sure the answers were right. So who won? You did, Steve. Hey, that's what he's waiting for. <laughs> yeah, you won, you won it with Sega. <laughs> oh, brilliant! You won the Game Boy. That's Nintendo. Yeah. So the kits man won the kit quiz. Shocker! There you go. Shock. <laughs> well, thank you very much, listener and listeners, for joining us for yet another week of the kit mag. No, we're not called that, are we anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on another week of They Think It's All Over. Really appreciate all the support and feedback we've had over the last week. You guys and girls out there, really what makes us do it and why we enjoy it. But for now, you think it's all over? It is now. And for those leaving the negative reviews, if you'd like to actually leave a comment why you don't like it instead of being a fucking pussy and just leaving a one star, we'd really appreciate it, you cunt.